Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> it is like so gray and bleh. Yeah, I was talking about how May felt a lot like October, but hopefully it's just like a few like freak days. Yeah, it feels like the inside of a wet plastic bag. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, now my Easter week off is over. So it's just like plowing through these last weeks of school. I can't believe I technically made it. You know, I haven't made it yet, but like I see the light. And yeah, so I'd rather it be kind of crappy now. Your transition back into teacherhood was... Oh, man. It was pretty smooth, to be completely honest. Yeah. You mean like I haven't panicked as much as you thought I might have? Well... Yeah, I mean, I guess so. The bulk of your panicking, I would say, had to do more with your breakup and not. I would say, honestly, after about two weeks of you being a teacher, it was pretty much like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You went from like, I don't know if I can do this to I'm I can do this. Yeah. And what's funny is the breakup. It was because it was such a good thing at the time for the breakup, I think. I think you're right. Well, yeah, you had this whole, I mean, you really threw yourself in a totally different routine. And now here we are, I mean, eight weeks away. (laughs) And it it literally is like one of those freaking reality TV shows. It's like, here's Amanda, (laughs) do a 360, and here's Amanda. Yeah, yeah. It really was a 360 because I did a 180 out of teaching and then wrapped back around to the exact same starting point as a completely different person, which is what we know that happens. Hint, hint. And it's so cool to watch. And I'm sure it's been really cool to listen to. I appreciate that feedback because who knows? Like, you know, I feel like therapy's been a major part of why it's been smooth, like quote unquote smooth. I feel like this year's been survival. Like that's my word. Um, for like getting back into teaching and just making it happen. But I do feel like therapy's helped. I do feel like the worser of the evils, which was the breakup and feeling like I would be, you know, hurting over that forever, um, you know, made the teaching kind of like this just, what do you call that thing that keeps beat? Oh, uh, a metronome? Yes, it's been my metronome. It's been the thing that's just kept me on beat kind of. So in that way, I could only, the only thing I could do about it is appreciate it, you know? I think that's kind of been the shift of it. But yeah, here we are. Anyway, thanks for putting that into perspective for me. <laughs> but it also ties into kind of today's ep. Yeah. Yeah. It totally does. Yeah. Um, which is funny, and I think it's, it's really good for everyone who listens. Because we've been doing this... For 18 months now? What? Yeah, just about 18 months now. High five through the FaceTime. 
High five. <laughs> we tend to do that. Um, and this was one of the first episodes we did. It is actually episode eight now. Mm. What's your thing? And when we did this episode originally, it was a very, I mean, super ultra broad topic. Because we, like, never really had any clue where we were going with this thing. Us and the podcast, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I li- that's literally what I mean. I mean, like, me and you had no idea where we were going with the podcast. Yeah. You yeah. had no idea that we would get to, you know, I mean, next week is our 75th episode. <laughs> it's so exciting. That's, a, that's like an actual joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to go from episode 8 to episode 75. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and. But a lot I mean, of. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we've had so many episodes that, like, really hone in on a topic. We've had incredible guests. We've had return guests. We've had shows where we deep dive into things. We've had shows on topics. We've had, you know, uh, contests and so many different things. And this was one of the first episodes where we kind of broadly took on something that was, you know, personal to not just us, but our audience. And one of the ways in which we tried to engage our growing audience to say like, hey, you know, what is the thing that drives you as a creative person? Yes. And what's funny when you mentioned the podcast and the fact that that was episode eight and kind of how it was broad, I think that whole first season, which was only 15 episodes long, like we did just try to blast out like what was living in our brains, right? That was season one for us. And I feel like this one, you know, was obviously on my brain so much because I was waitressing trying to make something that I knew was living inside me happen and just coming off of the happy planner and realizing like that was my thing and this was my thing and but now I'm not there and it was just a question that you know and I feel for us too like we from the beginning of this podcast never this is not a podcast about expertise. Like this is a podcast about exploration. So me and you were always like, we need to explore this topic. It wasn't, so then, so we broaden it or or shrink in it to pick apart the exploration of what's living in our brain. So I never feel like we are experts and we're, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It's just, I feel like being episode eight, being our first season, like it was just where we were at and what had to be opened. And then with the interviews, they always pick apart and and kind of like shaved ice, kind of sculpt what topics of other episode past episodes were. You know what I mean? Like through the interviews and through our constant picking apart and exclamation and revisiting, um, we kind of hone it more and more, but without ever really landing on it. Oh God, I'm being very abstract. <laughs> no, I, well, I was, just gonna, I was just thinking I love and truly appreciate, and I have over the last 72 episodes of this podcast, the way that you describe things. Thanks. Because you're welcome. It's so different than the way that I do it, and it helps me to see things in, in such... Um, 
a new way. It's like shining a light on like the shadow of an object. Sure. Okay. And it helps me to see the thing that I couldn't see because this is where I was sitting. Right. And now, okay, well, somebody turned the light on over there. Well, now I can see the back part. Cool. Um, what a compliment. It's so helpful. We're just being so complimentary to each other today. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah. Well, it's because I think one yeah. of the things that we're going to get to, and I, this didn't occur to me at all until we started talking, mm-hmm. is that for us, when we get to this, what's your thing redo? Yeah. The thing that both of us now have is this show. Right. And talking to each other, like, that only could have come about through the podcast. And there's no way we would have been able to explore finding our voices without the show. Hmm. Yes. Right. But we didn't say this is our thing. This is it couldn't have possibly thing. have been. Yeah, our yeah, yeah. Thing. We were only eight episodes in. <laughs> yeah, we didn't and know what we were doing. Yeah. Now we have eighteen months of this show, and we have honed our voices in a specific way. And in, in this this thing that you're talking about, how the show has never been about expertise, but about exploration, I think that that's very on point. And I think in that way, it's not for some people. Because some people want to tune into a podcast, especially a hobby-related podcast, which in some ways we are. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, we are a crafting lifestyle podcast. Mm -hmm. And the people who love our show the most are the people who DM us or the people who email us and say, Kristen or Amanda... When I turn on your show, I feel like I'm listening to a conversation with two of my best friends. Yeah. And like, yes. Because that's what it's supposed to feel like. Like that's For and, us. and we and and also that's not exactly what we set out to do in the first place. Right. That's just what naturally happened. Well, that's because, I was yeah, go ahead. Uh, that because that's not who we were. At the beginning of the show. Yeah. But if you've been with us since the beginning of the show, or if you've listened, like if you've caught up since episode one, you've been with us as that's developed. And so you are a part of that as that's developed. And so you are our friend. Like, even if you've not joined us on the Discord for chat, even if you aren't a Patreon supporter yet, even if you've never been to a video chat, even if you've not, you know chatted with us directly even though we'd love it if you did even if you haven't you still are our friend because we became Kristen and Amanda on this show we weren't Kristen and Amanda before this show happened I right I get that and then this whole conversation thus far 11 minutes in is just a testament to like something that I could never have spoke on that first show, right, of episode eight, but now episode 70, whatever, I could say, like, honestly, for me to be able to now say, oh, I do this thing, I co-host a podcast, like, what's my thing? Oh, I do this thing, I co-host a podcast, like, I can actually say that out my mouth and for it to be true. The only requiring factor is that we literally get together and do this on the regular, like, don't you agree? Like, the fact that it has happened because we have made a commitment to get together and do it. Like, not to say that it 
it's a habit or not just it's just something we've committed to that we do enough that we're you know what I mean like when you really break it down to its simplest ingredients which we've said on this show before too like just like what is the simplest ingredients like almost the simplest ingredients to have a thing is commit to a thing find a buddy be halfway decent at it and keep doing it and get better. Like that's literally the right. I mean, like ingredient. you don't even have to start out being halfway decent at it. Sure, like, exactly. Just start out with how do I do it? Right. Yeah. So like episode eight, I'd be like, we're trying this, I, and then what's funny is I couldn't right, tell remember, you. Right, because we threw out our first episodes. Yeah. Sure. Right. We're like, nah, I can't be right. <laughs> we literally threw them out. Yeah. And started over. Like, episodes, the first episodes you guys hear, the ones on the podcast, <laughs> episode zero, episode one, and episode two, we literally re-recorded them. We recorded three hours of content. And I've said this before. I don't, well, I don't remember when I said them. Yeah. I don't remember what episode I said it in. We were like, we got to the end of those episodes, and we're like, these aren't good enough, are they? Or it didn't feel like what we wanted it to feel like. I right, think. it wasn't that they didn't te- they weren't technically good enough. Right. It wasn't that like we said like or um too much. It was just <laughs> that they didn't they didn't feel like the podcast we wanted to put out yet. And I also think we realized we needed that bu- that buffer space. Like, oh, we've never done this before. We just got out. Like, bleh. Now let's restart now that we got all those that jitter out. So, it was our first draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. We needed to get the first draft out. So yeah, so I mean, hella a hella interesting exploration, and I couldn't look back and say, oh, well, at episode fifty was the time when I realized it was my thing. No, just like the whole season four thus far of growth, you look up one day and it's you are able to say, this is my thing. I co-host a podcast. Like it had, and it's like the plant episode where like all of a sudden you look up and there's a bloom in the morning. Like you can't study it and you can't predict and you can't mark an actual exact time. Like it just is putting in the time, putting in the effort, watering the plant. Like it just literally is that simple yet complicated to comprehend in our brain that wants to overcomplicate everything. And there's so much of, what we talk about like you know what what is our thing and us talking about how um in that episode we talk about how as a human you're just going to have so many like there's going to be so many things that you're interested in you're going to have tons of hobbies you're gonna have tons of interests and how do you find you know, your thing, your calling, whatever that is. And. Which is a very important question. You know, it is yeah, an important. Absolutely. It's an important um, journey. That's not the word. It's an important, like, thing to embark on. Yeah. And, well, I think that from episode eight till now we've talked about a couple of different things with a couple of different people and i think um i kind of want to break it up into a couple of different questions like what's your thing yeah today the first question i kind of want to ask is you know what is the thing that you want to be doing on a day-to-day basis which i think is a big thing for most of us yeah and that's one of the things that we think about on like you know what is your thing and 
so for those of us who want to be doing creative work on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. you know what does that look like yeah do we need to be making money so those of us who need to be making money from our creative work on a day-to-day basis what does that look like yeah um like for you when you decided making money from creative work on a day-to-day basis was making you not happy and going back to teaching and saying hey having most of my needs met by my teaching income and letting my creative needs be met elsewhere and what was the term that you came up with peripheral creative peripheral creative i thought that was one of the like best terms that you coined all season all season last season yeah was like that's awesome and like coming up with things like that and saying you know well what's your thing you know teaching can be your day-to-day thing it doesn't have to be your creative thing your creative thing can be you know this podcast yeah and what's funny with all that you're saying is realizing now you know in hella retrospect because i've talked about this before in retrospect but now you know almost surviving the whole first year teaching back and realizing I'm going to be teaching for the next few years and all that stuff. Like, I can't believe how hard I resisted the idea that anything other than a life where my creativity was making me money was acceptable. Like, like, like I resisted any other model. So that's been very interesting for me to dissect on this end of the spectrum, feeling good and teaching and and having, you know, this quote unquote real job. I hate saying that, but like having a job that everyone's like, oh, you're a teacher, oh, me too. Like, you know, teacher, lawyer, doctor. Those are the three that I say, like, if you're them, like, you know, you're whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know the point I'm trying to make. All I know is it's a very secure job, but I resisted that security even though I knew I'd be good at the work because I don't know even really why, but I'm realizing now that it was just this resistance of like me not, not wanting to accept, I guess it it is part of like the social media play in tie in of like seeing other people be able to do it. So why shouldn't I kind of thing? But I feel like once I got over all of the resistance, once I was examining why I was resisting, any other model and then examining how much I was being influenced by comparisonitis, I guess, right? Of like other people. And like, I think my breaking point was how tired I got of waiting for people who I thought were in power to recognize and acknowledge my talent or my creativity or how quote unquote good I was. Like that was like, I was done like trying to convince people. That was the really big cherry on, like, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. It was like, I can't chase, like, these people's approval anymore or, like, acceptance. So then that's when I kind of left to try to do things on my own. But there was still this thread of, like, well, I have to email this person and convince them that I can do this on my own. Like, it was still kind of chasing the whatever. And then when we started this podcast, it gave me such a boost of my inner power like you're saying like it really became our thing and how we wanted to do it so you know 
But I think having you there was helpful to me in that. Be- yeah, I think it's always easier to do it with at least one other person. Yeah, because I mean, we, we, you and I were so used to spearheading our own creativity in our own lane, in our own world, that, you know, at least for it trying to get us money and it just being our own thing, solopreneur, whatever you call that, um, that it was like almost a, a refreshing change to have someone else's input have to factor in and, you know, it was just good. I don't know. Now I'm rambling and I don't remember the original question, but there's been a shift and this whole episode came from the conversation we had with Austin Cleon when he was on our show and talked about his book, Keep Going. And, you know, he kind of brought up without us even saying, oh, we had a episode called What's Your Thing? And, you know, talked about how to monetize your hobby, basically. And then that's when he was like, everyone's trying to monetize their hobby. What's going on? Like, you don't have to have a food truck for everything. And we were like, I was like, Oh, snap. And like he did that. He corrected us unbeknownst to him almost at every turn. Like we even said, oh, going on this journey and finding your creative path and like getting to the root of like, you know, whatever we just said a few minutes ago. Even he said that. He goes, that makes him want to gag. Like if you when he thinks of this lofty creative path that's worth going on, he's like, gag, gag, like Groundhog Day. Like what's your habit? Again, how we started about the podcast. Like what are you doing every day? That then you wake up one day and it's like, oh, that's my thing. Yeah, I co-host this podcast. I've been doing it for 70-something episodes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he he even simplified it to that. Of, like, just do something every day that ignites you. Right. And, like, I think that's another thing about, you know, deciding to do something for money Versus doing something and then deciding you need money. I see. Interesting. Because we never decided to do a podcast Form. and then say, you know, it, it was never like, oh, yeah, let's do something together for money. Right. It should be a podcast because no one ever decides to do a podcast <laughs> thinking that they're going to get money. Thinking, if you do, it's a it's really bad idea. Yeah. Like, there are... For, like, if you want to make money, do anything besides a podcast. <laughs> the amount of work you have to put into doing a podcast yeah. and the amount of money you will get for making a podcast is, like, inversely proportional to yeah. anything else that you can create. What did – I don't know if it applies, but it was Megan Almond that talked to us about um, artificial – Inflation? It was. It was, like, artificial – Oh, the just like devaluing prices. Yeah, or it was Me- it was your Megan that was talking to us about like oh no no it was Megan Almond. Yeah, can and um, how like big box stores can artificially keep their prices low because yes. they use sweatshops. Yes. Yeah, and that it's like it not sustainable if someone else were to do it. Right. I mean, like we've talked about the amount of work that goes into putting this podcast together and. We do it because we love it. Like, it's not, it's just awesome. It's always been this side thing that's been so cool. Like, the cool return has been, like, we talked to Ali Edward. Like, I'm just like, that is so cool. (laughs) Right. And, like, we talk to you guys. Yeah. And it's amazing to be able to have conversations with just 
I don't want to say random people, but literally random people, like people <laughs> who I have never talked to before at all and have come up to me on Instagram or have sent me an email and have said, I've listened to every single episode of your show Sweet. and I loved this part on this episode. And I'm like, that means the world to me. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're going to spend 10 hours a week with, you know, me and Amanda each spending, you know, that much time and then Jeff spending other time, like if you're going to spend that much time, that's a literal part-time job. Like, yeah. You know, go and get one. And like, you were, yeah, and you were saying like this. So as opposed to, I'm going to start something for money, right? I mean, like if you literally want to make money, like if your goal is to make money, go like go and get a part time job, or you know, like if you have literal talent, if you have literal skill, if you wanted to use your creativity in some way, you know, spend twenty hours making a good, and then spend four hours updating your Etsy shop. Um, pod- podcasting is not a lucrative business. You know, if you really <laughs> like, if you like recording audio, then create an audio class to sell. Right. Like, that's a great way to make more money than to create a podcast and then try to get people to support you on Patreon. People support <laughs> us on Patreon because they love us. And we love them. Thanks, guys. Like, th- this is about creating a community. It's not about trying to like gatekeep content because you know the podcast is free and it will always be free and the only stuff that's on patreon is awesome bonus content so fun like after chatter and the book club yeah but i do sense based off the austin cleon episode which if you haven't listened to it's amazing and i suggest listening but i do sense and we've talked about this before too like this undercurrent of people getting fed up with like monetization monetization wish 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 sauce monetization is that a word the word yeah but like or that everyone has a food truck for everything or everyone has an Etsy show you know we talked about that the whole Etsy shop thing and then you wanted to bring up a point about that well like that's the thing is that you don't need to monetize everything. Uh-huh. And I don't... It, okay. I don't think it's a new thing. Because it's not a new thing. Right. It's not just... Yes, maybe it's more in our faces because we're constantly looking at our sure. phones and we don't have them down. But, like, our mother's generation... Everyone had their Tupperware parties every week, and everyone had their Mary Kay parties. It's the same damn thing. Like, um, you know. And that being their thing? Or their side thing, you mean? Right. And, you know, if you had, like, you know, if you knitted your own sweaters and had your own business, maybe that stuff was cooler. Sure. That was my slight tangent of this is not a new thing, because I think... A new thing as far as people being fed up or as far as people wanting to monetize things? As far as people wanting to monetize things. Got it. So, And as far as everyone wanting to monetize a thing. I agree, but I feel like monetizing a thing now means you made one sweater for someone. Now you're Lizzie Sweaters and what's your colors and what's your branding and get your website. And like it becomes this thing that then you have to feed well, as I opposed think to... The thing and, is, is that now... 
it's so much easier to be a company that sells websites and that sells brands and that sells business cards and that sells so that when Lizzie does have a sweater, there are now five companies that harp on Lizzie to buy a website, to buy a, you know, well, here's how you can make five sweaters, Lizzie. Here, like the, the ability, because business to business has become a lot, it's become a lot easier for small businesses to become medium-sized businesses, or I guess, you know, it's become a lot easier for micro businesses to become small businesses. Mm -hmm. And so when, you know, when Lizzie has her one sweater, it's so much easier for Lizzie to go online and get, you know, tags to sew into her sweaters that say Lizzie's sweaters. Yeah. And on, when she bet, when she gets those tags, there are ads right on the website that says, Lizzie, get a website. It'll be so much better. All of your, people will think you're so much more professional. Yeah. And on that, it, there's another thing that says, Lizzie, if you buy 250 uh, business cards, then you can get 250 business cards free. And then if she goes and clicks on that, there's another ad that says, Lizzie, don't you think your business cards would look better if you had a professional logo? Sign up here today for a professional logo for just $500. Yeah. And it's so much easier for businesses to rope you into that, we'll just give you a complete business in a box for just $2,000 that the only thing that Lizzie's sweaters can now do to recoup the cost of buying Lizzie's sweaters business in a box is say, look at me, I'm Lizzie's sweaters. Everyone needs a sweater. Right. And there's, it makes me think of, there's a line in the movie Hope Floats, one of my like favorite movies I'll watch, where Sandra Bullock sits with Harry Connick Jr. and realizes like how, like, like supposedly Harry Connick Jr.'s character like went away to like California to try to pursue this like job in carpentry, but ended up coming back to their little town of Texas. And now he like does, you know, like handyman work for money, whatever. And he takes her to like this house he's like renovating. And she looks at it and goes, oh, my God, you're so talented. Like, you could really do something with this. And he, the line is, he's, I, I'm not going to get it completely right, but he goes, you know, yeah, I went. And, like, yeah, you can do all this stuff. But then you realize, like, you lose what you start out loving. And so, like, to him, it was more important to continue the craft without, like you're saying, all the hoopla. And I feel... That's been where I've grown in this whole what's my thing kind of question and mentality since episode eight is like, yeah, just like in that, like I feel like a lot of that fluff that was keeping me afloat in, in like my creativity of the validation and the, and the exposure and, and the likes and the whatever, like dropped out from under me. Like I all of a sudden... It wasn't making me happy the way it used to. And it wasn't, like, filling my life, really. It was just driving me nuts to try and keep it up. And then I lost, then it, like, I lost kind of what was the point in the first place of, like, inspiring people and feeling driven to do it. And that all kind of, like, capsized on me. But I think it's the same kind of thing we're talking about. It's like, if Lizzie wants to make a sweater and she did want to monetize it, it would still have been for the love of sweaters like 30 years ago. 
it wouldn't have been as much pressure to do it for like the money and to be like Lizzie Sweater. <laughs> like, I don't know. No, but, but does it even have to be like, it, even if she's doing it because she, lo- she, she can still be doing it because she loves the sweaters. Yeah. But if she's being told that, well, you know, your business would be more professional if you did this and your business would be better this way and your business would be better this way when Lizzie doesn't even really know much about business. She just knows about sweaters. Right. Then, and like, this is why Megan Allman was so awesome. Yeah. Because she learned about business and she helps creatives with business. Because I think that there's this fine line between... Well, yeah, I can do this cool thing, and I would love to be able to make some money off of it. But then it's, you know, am I trying to have a full-time job from this creative thing? Or do I just want to, you know, sell some stuff so that I can recoup the cost of my supplies? And do I care what this is going to be in a couple of years? Or do I just not? And there's nothing wrong with either one of those answers. Right. But knowing the answer is important because if you do want a full-time job and you are an artist or a creative or you're a person who cares about artists and creatives, you need to understand the value of the work of artists and creatives. You also need to understand that when you are a person who just puts you know, I'm just a creative who just cares that my materials and my supplies are getting paid for. You are undervaluing the work that other people put into, you know, the time and the effort that other people put into their work. Yeah. And like, you are free to do that. This, you know, there's, there's no law saying you can't do that. But, like, that's that's what Etsy is for. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, you know, you can sell your stuff on Facebook Market. That's what those places are for. And so when you are a professional artist, when you are a person who it's important for you to be making money off of your art, this is why it's important for you to have, like, your own website so that you are not, I mean, so it's, so you're positioning yourself in a place of power. And... So that when, like, those of us who need to make a a living off of our creative work can try to make a living off of our creative work instead of perpetually being undervalued by people who can undervalue their work. Uh Which is a, a topic we've talked about a lot because women have inherently, you know, for a long time undervalued themselves especially creatives and we don't especially now now as millennials the generation that has absolutely no money we have absolutely no capital we have you know nothing to borrow against we we need all the money we can get so we can't undervalue our work we need to be able to ask what we're worth we need to be able to get paid what we're worth and 
it needs to not be constantly bitched about because the bitching part is stressful and we all just need a little bit less stress in our lives yeah and that's not to say that everyone has to buy all your stuff all the time right because not everyone is first off not everyone is your customer yeah not everyone is going to be your customer and not everyone who is like your ideal customer is going to be able to buy your stuff all the time. Yeah. I just, as we're talking about this, I, the, the phrase that keeps coming in my head is like, take the edge off. Like you just said, we got to stop bitching about this. We got to stop making it feel so hard. Like, and before, like, I'm just like, you know, for me shifts, cause I, and I think it's an anxiety thing too. We all know I suffer from like an anxiety disorder. So I always feel like I'm on edge, but like taking the edge off. Like when I think of like, dealing with a situation or an idea or a narrative that I've told myself and being on edge with it, it's like literally dealing with it on the edge of a cliff. Like everything feels so high stakes. It feels like I could fall and like drop off. Like just the emotional aspect of it just feels so like heavy and like emergency. But when you literally take the edge off, which is what we was kind of the idea coming into the podcast of like this easygoing thing that we're both going to try and keep up the best we can. That'll be a creative outlet. Like there was no edge to that. And I think like in the vein of what's your thing and in the vein of like pricing or wanting to do this creative work, like it's like trying to imagine the ways that you could put on your list of things to do that would take the edge off, that would take, make it a little less risky or make it a little yeah, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is that I keep feeling like I'm like a lot of the positive changes took the edge off. Going back to teaching kind of took the edge off of like my life. Like I was like literally on the edge of a cliff trying to figure out how I was going to get my bills paid and like support myself. Meanwhile, my boyfriend that was helping me was moving out. Like I just felt very on edge. So again, the teaching like took that edge off a little. Like what could you insert in your life that will take the edge off or extract that will take the edge off? And I think that all ties into like what eventually becomes your thing because I don't think anything can really become your thing with this like edge walking (laughs) attached. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You can't be super rigid and think that you're going to just find your thing. Yeah. It's not, you you know. Or super high stakesy. Right. We were talking about it earlier where, you know, We've had 75 episodes of the show, and it's now become something that we do. Finding your thing is something that you... Find? Right, it's... You find it. It's something that you discover. And when you walk paths of rigidity, you aren't discovering anything. You're not exploring. That's a good point. You are um, contriving rules. Well, <laughs> That's what I used to do. Know, think about it like if you have a, like a headlamp on. It's it's completely dark, and you have a headlamp on, and you refuse to look left or right. Yeah, you are only going to see what's right in front of you. Yeah, you're not going to do any discovering. And there's that refusal word again. It's so funny. It's 
resistance like yeah that's but that's what rigid rigidity is and sometimes it happens i think subconsciously you don't even realize you're being rigid i think constantly it happens subconsciously (laughs) Yeah. yeah so interesting and i think that so many times the things that that are our thing become our thing over time. Yeah. Like, this podcast has only honed my ability to be Are You Kristen Feminist Scrapbooker even more. Mm-hmm. I've only been able to find and refine certain aspects of that part of me through the words that we've talked on this podcast. Like, without this podcast, there are certain aspects of that part of... I don't want to say, like, my character, but yeah, like, my character that would be dulled. Or I guess they would still be dull. And this podcast has, like, chiseled that section out. And the same way with the Awesome Ladies Project. The Awesome Ladies Project does that for Are You Kristen Feminist Scrapbooker? And I think, like, you like the word multipotentialite. And I think that other people probably know it similarly under the word polymath but it's people who have tons of knowledge or are well versed in lots of different whether it's genres or types of knowledge um i'm going to talk about da vinci because like we know da vinci as like the painter He knew everything. Like, he was just an everything person. But, like, the reason we know Da Vinci and the reason everyone knows Da Vinci as the painter, as a painter, as, like, the most amazing painter Uh is because he was so incredibly well-versed in so many things. I mean, besides being a painter, like, he sculpted and he drew. He drew so much. Mm -hmm. And he wrote. But, like, he also knew so many things about science and was, like, super into flying machines and learned so much from so many different people and so many different things Mm -hmm. that he is, like, the epitome of other people will call it the Renaissance man. Right. Which is exactly what he is. But we, everyone knows him as Da Vinci, the guy who painted the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. Yeah. But, like, you can't paint humans like that if you don't have an insane knowledge of anatomy and the human body. And if you haven't ever seen Da Vinci's The Vitruvian Man, which is the man on top of the other man with his arms and yeah, his legs like, out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And this is back, you know, like, 1492. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking Columbus time. Yeah. So, 
no one knew about this aside from him and some other people but like not us yeah and to be able to be known as the painter you know a painter an artist and then still have time to learn about science learn about math learn about philosophy learn about religion learn about Uh all of the other subjects Uh while being as close to a god in painting as you could possibly be yeah that's somebody who knew how to monetize in one thing but still kill at all his other hobbies but so like because as you're describing him again that phrase like edge off is entering my head and if you are that interested and curious and driven to information and exploration and like thinking as he supposedly was are you ever feeling an edge does it ever have time to get in there because you're so like thirsty for more like exciting life you know what i mean like did he know how to monetize or did he was he just so good at that one thing that other people recognize it and it caused him to be monetized because he was too busy loving life? Like, I, I feel like that sometimes is the model that creates the monetization and the success. Like, I just feel like but I could be wrong. And I think that there is another path of people going, I'm going to make money from this. Yes. And like be more calculated. But but he still had to pick the one thing. I mean, I guess a right to like hone and like put out there. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I do get that. But then was there ever an edge if he knew that he had all these other things? Or like if he knew that the thirst of life was still going to be there. But you still have to pick the one thing. Oh, I because see your point. Because if you point. don't, then you go from this to this to this to this to this. Yeah, you're right. And you, we talked about that before the show, the dabbling. You can't necessarily dabble right. and expect to be right. No, that, that makes I mean, sense. But, like you can. And as a human, you should. Yeah. As 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 a as a fully rounded human, that's what you need to be doing to keep yourself centered. Yeah, but that's also a point that Austin made about like because the centering builds your immune system. Yes. And and but and so that makes it your thing in one aspect. But right, not- but it's not the thing that everyone is going to know you for. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you want to be known like, you know, Facebook, Instagram known. It doesn't have to be your face. Like Austin was talking about, you know, like Austin Cleon is a brand. Austin Cleon is not a brand. Mm-hmm. But he is known for writing the New York Times bestselling author books. Yeah. He isn't known for like, you know, drawing with his kid. Yeah. Even though he does do that. Yeah. And that is one of his things. Right. Or, you know, yeah. walking with his wife. Right. That's a thing that he does every single day. Gotcha. Or the, the diaries that he does. It's a thing he does every single day. And it's integral to his work. But it's not his thing. He writes these books. I see. And so he consciously makes a choice to say the books are the thing that I'm going to try to, that I'm going to use to get me my, myself paid and do this creative work. Yes. Because if you try to get paid in every single way, then... You're putting yourself out in too many ways. Like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, um, like you can't be a teacher at two schools at once. Right. Can't be a teacher like, at one. <laughs> right. Like, this is yeah. why, like, we can't have more than one full-time job at once. Sure. Although. And, and, and as a creative, and, and especially when we work at home, and when, especially when we work for ourselves, we try to think that we can do more than what is a full-time job. Sure. Because there isn't anyone out there saying, as a creative, 
This should take you two hours. This should take you two hours. This should take you two hours. And there's no one to remind you that when you worked at a nine to five, two hour meetings meant that you sat there for 90 minutes, (laughs) didn't do a damn thing, and you got a half hour lunch in the middle of it. And that like when you work from home and you work for two hours straight, that was the equivalent of literally your entire afternoon's work at a corporate job. <laughs> That's been my experience as well. <laughs> I like, and that, I, I'm not like I'm not being facetious. I'm not like lying. I'm like that's actually how it worked. Mm-hmm. There's so much bullshit. There's so much nonsense when you work in an office and when you work around other people. Mm-hmm. That when you work from home and when you work for yourself, the amount of like exhaustion and tiredness from the 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 littleness little tiny bits of work that you do does not equal the impactfulness of similar like you can't even compare the way that you would work at home as a creative to how you would work in an office as a non-creative yeah no i agree that was my experience as well and so, like, we try to, like, beat ourselves up because we don't wake up at not, you know, we don't we don't wake up and do the nine to five at our creative lives, especially when we then, you know, have dinner and then open up our laptops again and do more work or we open them on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And so when we talk about, you know, monetizing and trying to find, you know, who you are as a creative person on the Internet, who you are as a person who wants to monetize or become a brand or find your thing and make it as a anything more than just a casual creative yeah decide what you want and why and i think it's awesome like i think it's a great thing to decide to do but decide to do it yeah don't be wishy-washy on it and it's okay to decide to do it and then be not good at it for a while. Yeah. But don't decide to do it and then decide not to do it and then decide to do it and then decide not to do it and then decide to do it and then decide not to do it. Because yeah. you'll just be mad at yourself. Yeah. Because it's not going to go well. So decide to do it and decide why you're doing it and what makes you special. Yeah, well, then that, because we kind of talked about in the My Things episode, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, just a mental decision it has to be like a a driven form type of thing it has to be like a combo yeah you need to decide why you're doing this and what makes you yeah. special like the driven part has to be identified right yeah. you need to decide like why and for what reason are you using up time in your life for this decision yeah because your time is important your time is precious and I'm sure if you took a piece of paper right now, you could list five things that you want to be doing in your spare time. Yeah. So if it's to start a business that you're just kind of wishy-washy on, do one of those five things instead because your time is precious, you are important, and you don't need to be starting businesses that you don't really want to start. Yeah. Yeah. And like some of... And on that note, too, I, I clearly agree, and this whole conversation has been very interesting. But on that note, too, like one of the, I say this all the time, her interview was so special to me. Um, Jacqueline Carter, love Jack. Yes. 
you know, her episode, I felt, you know, not planned or anything was so tied to what's your thing and so tied for me to kind of how I've grown in the vein of growth. And, and, you know, I like in our plant episode, we talked about not necessarily growth, but like development. Like I feel like in my development with everything, a lot of what she said really hit home in her episode, which kind of was like, you know, what you're saying is choose and, and feel that passion, feel that drive, identify why it's special to you and then choose it and, you know, kind of be specific about the choice, which I agree. But then like in our book club book that we just recently did, a book that takes its time, in Jacqueline Carter's episode, it was almost this theme of like the art of knowing when to quit. You know what I mean? Or like... See, but I think that that's the, exactly what happened to Jacqueline is she's like, well, this, yes. this is my knowing. I know that I'm supposed to be doing this instead. You're ab- See, now that you put that in that light, like you're absolutely right. Like, And that's how I think I feel about my choice to kind of like expand on my peripheral creativity and not make it the spotlight. Like I feel like me making that choice was me finding my thing more than I thought. Like I always thought the thing had to be the spotlight of the creativity, but now I understand how much so the model of my life now is my thing. It's like, and that's so true. Like the art of quitting other things is the thing. <laughs> well, well, you couldn't have possibly gotten to this place unless you had already done all the things that you had already done. Like, you couldn't have yes. gone back to teaching yes. unless you already had your teaching degrees. Yes, and if I already hadn't felt like I exhausted where I wanted the spotlight of creativity to be and realized it just wasn't working. Like sometimes things don't have to really not work in order to get to something that works, right? So that Absolutely. too. Right, so it's like what I thought was my thing didn't end up as my thing, but it led me to a thing that's now my thing. <laughs> like it just is like, yeah, yeah. And there's so, yeah, no, Jacqueline's episode, like she. Yeah, I love her another, story. She's another one with like, all of her things led her to a place yeah. where she and she never wouldn't she never would have found wound up in that place unless all of her other places had led her to that place. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Right. And just the shift in her mind of like what I thought was the thing, like becoming Hallmark in the greeting card world, like was the thing she was striving for to like, again, take that edge off. And just do what was already in front of her. Like, and I think in the, I think uh, what I got the most from her, and I still hear this in my head today, is like sometimes what's doable is so much better than what's potentially, what could potentially happen. So right. it's like and, that and too, like choosing that, the doable funny thing. Funny because this is another thing like that we can take from like the financial world. Of like, sometimes it's better to just take the money that you already have and just not even cut your losses because you might not even have losses. Yeah. Instead of waiting for a stock to go super high and you've already made some money on the stock, just take your money. Yeah. If you want your money, just take it and go. There's no reason for you to have to wait because other people think it's a good idea or because maybe it might get better in the future. Yeah. If you want to take your money and go do something else, 
you can do that. Yeah. And it's a comment on the ego self and the true self. Like the ego self feels a loss, like the pride self of like, I had this dream and I had this goal and I didn't meet it. And, uh, you know, ugh. like that's so like your ego talk. But you know what? We should be setting goals that we can't make. Because if we make every single goal that we're setting, then we're not setting goals that are high enough. That's true. And the true self wants to feel like it's pursuing something worthwhile. But the true self also wants to say, like, you did your best and it's okay. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, the true self is the person yes. that has no edge. It's the ego self that has all the edge. <laughs> Making everything, like, feel scary. And, and faily. Like, <laughs> right. And it's okay. Like, there's... It's okay to get an 80 on a test. Yeah. Like, there's a huge difference between a 65 and a 100. Yeah. We don't need to be getting hundreds on every single test. If we got hundreds on every single test, it would be boring. Yeah. And conversely, we don't need to be getting zeros on every single test either. Like, there's a whole big middle out there. Yeah. And like you were saying, if we take a test and it's like, mm, this material was fine, but, you know, I'm just not that much interested in learning about it anymore. Yeah. I'm going to go over here to this section because this section seems a little bit more interesting to me. Yeah. So undramatic. I love it. <laughs> then it's cool. Yeah. And I think, too, like maybe maybe the edge of answering the question for yourself of what's my thing is really just the overachiever in us. Like I, the type A right. overdoing it of us. Because, yeah. And also, it's that arrival fallacy again. Yeah. You know, what's my thing? You know, and the, here's the thing. The other thing is, is that there's two options. You can come up with a definition. You know, you can come up with, you know, it, I'll use myself. Yeah. What's my thing? Feminist scrapbooker. That was my definition, you know, in episode eight. Still my definition now. Mm -hmm. Probably will be my definition in the future. Sure. The, what feminist scrapbooker means for me may change. That, you know, if you decide that you, you know, what your thing is. You know, I am a swimmer. Sure. As you continue to be a swimmer, as you swim every single day, you're going to get better at swimming. Yeah. And so what swimming means to you and what being a swimmer means to you will change. It can't not change. Mm -hmm. If you continue to do that, just as, you know, what podcaster meant to us a year ago, 18 months ago, it means something new to us now. Mm -hmm. And so as we continue down these paths of what our things are and being who we are in our thing, they have to change mm -hmm. because who we are changes our surroundings change the way we interact with p other people as ambassadors of our thing change and you know like we've talked about growth is not just this neat linear thing that moves along a linear path 
and neither is the world. Yeah. And so, like, if you are a swimmer and you are pushing yourself to swim longer distances each day, you might see yourself and your growth in those longer distances. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you separate your shoulder or you tear a rotator cuff and then you can't like you literally cannot swim for six to eight weeks and then your distances shrink are you going to change your definition of what a swimmer is like what things are going to look a little bit different Mm -hmm. and so who you are and what your thing is and all of those things are going to be impacted by changes in yourself, changes in your surroundings, and changes in the way that you interact with the world and your thing and all of that awesome stuff that's life. And so, like, finding your thing, it's not like, you know, you're in the desert and it's an oasis, and I'm like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, water, awesome. It's this journey of, well, here it is, and there it went and here's another version and here's another version and you know it's it's been inside me the whole time i love that phrase here it is and there it went (laughs) that is how that is literally finding your thing in a nutshell here it is and there it went and here's this new thing okay (laughs) right and it's it's all just a part of you yes and and the deeper you are you know within yourself and the more self-aware you are and the more you know art and creativity that you create i think the easier it is to define your thing Hmm. in like tangible thinginess right i agree but otherwise it's not something that you really have to worry about Because it's going to naturally unfold as you just live. Right. Just start doing. If you want a thing, just make. And if it feels good, keep doing it. And if it doesn't feel good, do another thing. And if that feels good and then another thing feel good, push those together and see what, you know, you'll eventually find what feels good to you. Yeah. And then that is your thing. I agree. This was this episode was amazing. I've been thinking about what we could talk about in After Chatter, and I almost feel like we should just spend some time to rattle off what we feel is our things and, like, literally, like, make it a hundred items long. Like, just whatever kind of comes. You know what I mean? Like, there's some, I've been, I love that. This whole podcast, I'm just thinking of, like, God, like, ways I make money and ways I don't make money. Like, just all these things that make me me. I don't know. Yes. Could be fun. But I love this conversation. Let's talk about all the ways that we are us. (laughs) So fun. Um, Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, This was a good revisit. Yeah, totally. So if you guys want to listen to What's Your Thing, it's episode eight. Um, Otherwise, all of the other episodes, Amanda, can you link to them in the show notes? Of course I shall wonderful um this was fantastic i love this revisit i think we came up with some really fantastic points that i was not even (laughs) expecting to come up with at the start of this episode it's just the magic of what 
these conversations have been, at least for me. Can't tell. So magical. <laughs> all right, guys. You have been amazing. We love you. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You have been with us and making this show absolutely fantastic for so long now. You are just the best. We love you. And you will come and listen to us on the After Chatter show over at patreon.com slash craftyassfemale. If you are not a current Patreon subscriber, you should come and join us. It is awesome and you help us support the show and you can join us for cool things like the Crafty Ass Female After Chatter show every week. Our Patreon book club, which is awesome. We're doing the two Austin Cleon, the second and third Austin Cleon book cl- books for the book club this summer. Um, we're going to be discussing them and doing some cool stuff over on the Discord in the book club channel. If you have any questions about Patreon, you can always email us at craftyassfemale at gmail.com. And we will catch you next week with another episode from Amanda and me. And otherwise, we hope that you have a fantastic week. Lots and lots of love. And we will catch you next Monday. Bye, guys.